chapter 9, verse 11. We looked at the first 10 verses last week. We'll finish up this week, Lord willing, the second half of the, of the chapter. We're getting close to the end of this book. There's not much of Ecclesiastes left, so probably by the end of next month we'll, we'll have it wrapped up, maybe even before then. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11 is where we will begin. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for these good songs that we sing. We thank you that we can come into this place, and maybe for just a few moments we can find some peace in your presence, dear Lord. We come here after... Hard days, God, whatever we have going on, I can just about rest assured that everybody's day has been tough, whether it be work or grandkids or doctor's appointments or or funerals or whatever it is, dear Lord, there is just always something, and it just drains us, dear Lord. It is just life is is a bummer, and we see that in these passages, and, and some of us come into this building tonight living that, but I pray that even though we if, we, if we came into this place kind of feeling down and out, that we would find some joy in your word and that you would fill us up, dear Lord, to get us, get us over the hump of this week and, and get us through this week and the people we may have to deal with or the things that may come up, that it would be a good week. And I pray that you give us a good night, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. Again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, or bread to the wise, or riches to the discerning, or favor to the skillful. Rather, time and chance happen to all of them. Now, this is certainly true. We have seen this idea throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Things do not always end up the way that they appear. Sometimes things take some crazy twists or turns. You would think that the fastest person would always win the race, but that's not true. Sometimes the fastest person doesn't win the race. Perhaps they get hurt. Perhaps they lollygag around, as we see in the story of the tortoise and the hare. So sometimes the swift don't win the race for one reason or another. Sometimes the strongest one is not the one who wins the battle. Perhaps the story of David and Goliath is a great example of that. By all measurable metrics of strength, you would have said that Goliath was certainly stronger than David. David was a young boy, probably not very big, probably not very strong, at least not compared to Goliath, and yet with the power of God, in that instance, even the one who wasn't the strongest won the battle, and so it is for us. And so sometimes we may see things like this and say, man, it's a bummer that the strongest doesn't, you know, always win the battle. But in a sense, it's good because sometimes we are the one who are weaker. And so in some sense, that's reassuring. Uh, Our bread to the wise. Sometimes foolish people eat too, even though they're foolish and squander their money or foolish in one way or another. Uh, Sometimes even the foolish eat along with the wise. Our riches to the discerning. Uh, Some people are discerning and make good business decisions, and sometimes they get rich from that, from, from, from making good investments and doing good and working hard. And other people get rich from doing nothing. They just kinda they just kinda get lucky. That's just the way life is. Fair or unfair, that's the way it is. Sometimes we're on the losing end of those things, and sometimes we're on the winning end of those things. Sometimes 
we end up getting things that we don't work hard for, or, or we end up losing things that we do work hard for. That's a, that's a part of what we see in the book of Ecclesiastes. This old world is not fair. There are certainly uh, kids in sweatshops somewhere in the world that are working literally their fingers to the bones 20 hours a day, and they're making nothing. And there are people here that are not doing hardly anything and making a killing. That doesn't seem fair. So sometimes even hard work is not a guarantee of success, but many times it is. As we talked about last week or the week before, more times than not, hard work and wisdom are going to pay off. But sometimes that's not the case. That's simply is just life. Our favor to the, to the skillful. Uh, sometimes those with the most skill aren't the ones who are favored. Sometimes the ones who have the most skill that should get the position or should be in the place of, of, of whatever it may be. Uh, sometimes those who aren't as good, who aren't as skillful, gain the favor of others. Maybe a good example of that are singers. There are a lot of singers in this world that aren't good singers, but yet somehow they have made their way to fame. We were watching Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, the other night, and Johnny Cash frequently makes an appearance on there every, every season. He comes every uh, a couple of episodes, and he sung on this most recent episode, and we discussed the fact that, well, Johnny Cash really isn't that good a singer, but, but yet he's very famous, and his voice is unique, and you see that a lot with people who may not be the best or the most skillful, but yet sometimes they are the one who find the most favor. That is life. There are some people who are extremely talented, that are better athletes probably than some of the athletes that make millions of dollars, but yet they haven't had their opportunity. They haven't been discovered, and perhaps they never will be, and so it is in life. Time and chance happen to all of them. That's the point of what he's saying. We have no control over these things. Sometimes things work out the way they're supposed to. Sometimes the fastest win the race and the strongest win the battle. But sometimes it doesn't. And how do we know who's going to do what? Well, we don't know. He said there's, there's, some, there's some level of chance there. Uh, there's time and chance. It's right timing. It's being at the right place in the right time. There are many times that we, get, that we, that we end up doing something or being somewhere because we just happened to be in the right place at the right time and somebody came along and we started talking to them and they said, hey, I'm looking for a man like you to come and work for me. Are there people that may be better than you at the job? Maybe so. But it just so happened that you were right there at the right time. Chance puts you there, as he said, or we could call it fate. We could call it God's plan, whatever we choose to use it. But we understand the idea of what he says. Some things just happen. There's no rhyme or reason to them as to why good things happen to bad people or bad things happen to good people or life just happens in ways we don't expect. This is simply just how life is. Verse 12, For man certainly does not know his time. Like a fish caught in a cruel net, or like birds caught in a trap. So people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly befalls them. Now I noticed in several translations that it said, well, the reason why one is caught in the net is because they've been foolish. And that may be the, the context, uh, or, or that may be the point of what he's saying here. But it seems like in the context of that uh, first little bit that we read there, that it makes more sense to say, look, sometimes these things just happen. Uh, oftentimes birds that are caught in the net, it's not because they're foolish. It may just be because they're flying around looking for a worm, and next thing they know, they're caught. And so sometimes, sometimes we get caught up in evil because we are foolish. That is certainly true. 
But sometimes we're going along in life and all is well and things that are beyond our control and we find ourselves just overcome with the stresses and the evils and the worries of the world. And perhaps tonight some of us feel like we are caught in that cruel net and it doesn't seem fair. It's, it's not a good place to be when it feels like you just, you're trapped like it uh, talks about uh, the fish or the birds here. Here's a fish. He's not up to no foolishness. He's just swimming through the middle of the lake, just living his life, looking for something to eat. And there's a boat above. He has no idea. Next thing you know, a net comes swooping through. Well, the fish hasn't done anything wrong, but sometimes he gets caught in the net anyway. And sometimes that's the way it is for us. Sometimes we just live life and we get caught up in life. And we just have to wait those times out. We hopefully won't stay in the net for long, but sometimes we do. And those aren't good times, but... As the writer of Ecclesiastes, I believe, is trying to tell us, this is life. Sometimes these things happen. So be aware of these things and, and, and don't let it get you down too much. None of us know what the future holds, so we just take life one day at a time. <clears throat> and the days that we're caught in the net, we say, God, help me to get out of this net of evil soon. Verse 13. <clears throat> I have observed that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. <clears throat> now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. Now, uh, if, it, if, it, if, if this particular writing or this story that's referenced here is significant to the writer, and it is indeed Solomon... Well, that might make some sense since he was uh, a king because he mentions here a great king came against this city and surrounded it. And who was the one that delivered the, the city? Was it the king of the city? Was it the great military of the city? Nope. It mentions this poor wise man with his wisdom. Now, what story this is referencing, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's unknown. Uh, whatever the story is, I guess it doesn't matter. We understand the point that, that sometimes we look to things the great king, the man of honor, the great military. But in this case, it's the least likely person that everybody would kind of overlook and not really pay much attention to. It's the poor wise man. It speaks of these enemies that are coming that build these large siege works against this city. Uh, interestingly, if you, if you study that, that, that particular word, if you're not aware of what a siege work is, you know, a lot of cities back then, they had these big walls around them. So if you were going to overtake them, you would have to build up, maybe maybe bring in you know dirt and ground and build a ramp so that you would have a have a way to keep building it up till you got to the top of the wall, or maybe you would build some kind of tower that your people on the other side of the wall could eventually get to the top of their wall in some fashion uh, to be able to attack the 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 city that you were trying to attack. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't remember the chapter off the top of my head. It's in Deuteronomy, maybe chapter thirty. God even gives the Israelites instructions about siege works. And, and he tells them that when they attack a city and build a siege work, if there's a tree that produces fruit there, don't chop the tree down, but build your siege work around it. He said, because it'll be good for food for you. He said, if it doesn't produce fruit, then chop it down. It's interesting that in God's commands, I thought as I was studying that, that God even gave instructions about how to build siege works and the, and the trees that were there. But in this instance, there's an army that was coming against this city. And of all the, the, the ways that a city could be delivered, it was through wisdom of this poor man that it was delivered. But what does it say at the end? Yet no one remembered that poor man. 
He wasn't anything special. That's not very exciting wisdom. I mean, it is pretty exciting. But, I mean, when you're telling a story and you say, all right, the armies were coming against the city and the king gathered up all the strongest men and the best archers and the best swordsmen and they went out and it was a battle that lasted seven days and it was great and there was great bloodshed, but eventually the city defended itself and there was a great hero and he slain so many of the enemies and those are the stories that go down in history. But the story, hey, there was this poor man, and he had this really wise advice, and it was able to stop everything. Well, that, that story doesn't really sound very much fun, yet there's great power and wisdom, as we see in the passage. Verse uh, 16, And I said, Wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. Now, how many times are there people in our life that we encounter that are wise? And maybe, maybe we don't think very much of them. Maybe we think kind of lowly of them. I mean, honestly, we may walk by poor people on the street, and we might not think much about them. If you were walking down New Orleans and you saw some homeless people and, and one of them spoke something to you, would you pay them much attention or would you think, well, what does this guy really know? I mean, he's, he's, he, he's homeless. He don't have anything. Am I really going to take advice and listen to this guy? And that's the point. We probably wouldn't. Now, if somebody that you knew that you trusted told you something, you might say, oh, yeah, I'll listen to him or I'll listen to her. But wisdom is good whoever it comes from. And so we need to be aware that we don't miss those opportunities that God may want to speak some wisdom into our life. Because, in fact, in this story, it was the poor wise man that nobody remembered and that everybody despised, and they didn't want to heed his words. And so it is with us. But... Anytime we don't heed wisdom, we're, we're seeking foolishness, and that's not a good thing. Verse 17, the calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Now, we need to listen to the calm words of the wise, but, you know, often it's the case, as the saying goes, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The one who's the loudest, the one who talks the most, the one who just keeps pressing and pressing and pressing. Eventually, that's the one that gets the attention. People give in. All right, we're, we're tired of hearing this person. But even though the voice of the fool is louder, it's not a good voice to listen to. And so perhaps we need to step back sometimes and listen to that calm voice that it speaks of there and heed the wisdom of the wise. Verse 18, Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner can destroy much good. Well, that kind of goes back to the idea we talked about with this wisdom of this poor man, whatever it was. It doesn't make for a very good story to say, hey, this, this poor man had this wise idea that kept us from having to fight the battle or allowed us to win the battle easily. And what does it say there? Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Wouldn't it be so much better? If instead of countries going to war with each other and millions upon millions of people being killed, if some, if some cooler heads could prevail and they could sit down and figure out the error of their ways and their differences and let wisdom guide their decisions and nobody would have to shed blood and they could work it out. But that's not the way it works, even though it would be wonderful if it worked that way. And perhaps sometimes it does. I won't say that there aren't sometimes wise leaders who can make wise decisions that end up being for the good. 
But oftentimes, that's not the way it works. There's always wars going on. You hear about them all the time. Some of them end up being big wars. Some of them kind of kind of fizzle out. Some of them go on for, for decades. They just continue to go on and on and on. We need more wisdom, and if we used more wisdom, we could avoid more wars. But listen at this last uh, part of this verse here. But one sinner can destroy much good. So, so wisdom can put a stop to a lot of bad and stop it before it starts. But one sinner can destroy much good. Now that's, that's an important passage for us to consider. Uh, especially as a church, I think it's important for us to consider that, that we want to make sure that we're trying to do God's work and we're trying to work together and we're trying to be obedient to the Word of God and follow God's commands, but we don't want to be that one sinner, right? Because all it takes is one, one bad egg will, will spoil a whole bunch. One person that comes in and the devil can use any of us. And you may say, well, that ain't going to be me. Well, watch out because the devil could use anybody. We could, we could allow our anger or our, our, our bitterness or, or whatever it may be in our life to get the best of us. And in a second, we could be that one that could be that sinner, that could be that troublemaker, that could put a stop to the good work of God, whether it be here or somewhere else we are. And so this is a good, a good word of warning for, for, I think, all churches to consider, is that we got to make sure we all pull in the same direction. And even if there is trouble in a church, we have to make sure that we keep ourselves in check because it is so easy for, for trouble to brew and... And almost instantly, churches just divide and pick sides. And so we want to fight against that and pray against that. And Lord knows we want to make sure that we are not the one. We are not the one sinner uh, that can destroy much good. And so what's the solution to that is we seek to be wise. Say, okay, God, help me to be wise. Help me not to be foolish. Because when we begin to be foolish, we begin to do things that we shouldn't do and say things that we shouldn't say. And once that scale tips... It's over then. Once we enter foolish zone, it's like we're full force. And we will say things and do things that we shouldn't. And so we really got to pray and say, God, you're going to have to help me to do better and to be wise and to keep my mouth shut and not be the one who, who jumps into something and causes problems, whether it's at church or whether it's at work or whether it's at home, <clears throat> but that we seek to be those who are wise. And that is a hard thing to do. I would love to be able to master that. I doubt I'll ever master it. I find myself failing at that every day thinking, man, God, there's so much foolishness that, that I need you to help me to get rid of. But praise the Lord, God is good. And He does if we seek Him. He helps us. And some of us may need more help than others, uh, but He helps us. And there are days that we all need that help to overcome that foolishness. And praise the Lord, there is wisdom in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And I pray that you would help us to be those who are wise. And dear Lord, know that life is life. And there are no guarantees. It's, there's, no, there's no guarantee that tomorrow will be better than today. God, it may be worse than today. It may be much better than today. We may work hard and have nothing to show for it. We may not do nothing and somehow just, just fall into some great things. God, that is the way life is. It is unfair. We can't explain it. We don't know it, but we know what happens. God, I pray that you would help us uh, not to be caught up in the temptations and the evil of this world, but God, that you would deliver us from temptation, that you would deliver us from sin, dear Lord, that like those fish in the sea that are just swimming along, God, when that net comes, they don't expect it. 
Dear Lord, there are certainly times that that occurs in our life, but I pray that you'd protect us from those times so much as you can, and it's within your will to do so, dear Lord. But God, if we are caught in a net tonight, or maybe we'll get caught in one tomorrow or in the future, let us not fret, dear Lord, but let us trust you to know that you are good. And even when we're in the net, dear Lord, you're with us. Even if we're like Jonah and we're caught up in the belly of the big fish, dear Lord, you're with us. It ain't always pretty. It ain't always nice. But dear Lord, maybe it's in those times of being caught in the net that you can use, use us the most and get through to us the most and help us to seek you the most. And I pray, God, that you would help us to do that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.